Welcome to Lucky's Lounge, everybody, the official podcast of Boston Celtic fanatics on an unhealthy level. Now, you might be wondering, why do I need another Celtics podcast? If you're a diehard like my co-host Guillermo and I, we are listening to multiple podcasts. And to answer that question, I think you just got to say, I am a nut. And if you are a Celtic nut, if your Celtic fandom has strained relationships with your significant other, if you've ever flown across an ocean to attend a Celtics game, or if you just can't get enough, we are the podcast for you. I am Captain Ron Flanders, joined by my very good friend and Celtic brother, Guillermo Diaz. Guillermo, a lot going on in in the NBA tonight, especially in Beantown. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hello, everyone. This is Guillermo Diaz here. Um, and yeah, Celtics are buzzing. Brad Steven is cooking. Um, I was out there yesterday doing some gardening work at the behest of Mrs. Flanders, wearing my In Brad We Trust t-shirt, and boom, uh, here we go. We'll get to the news in a second, but we talked about brotherhood and just a little bit about Guillermo and I, because I think what is cool about this podcast is that we have... I'm not a boomer. I identify as Generation X, but we have Celtic fans across generations. I grew up watching Danny Ainge, Dennis Johnson, Larry Bird, those guys, and on. Guillermo, what was your first memory of the Celtics? Uh, Mine was Kenny Anderson, Tony Batiste, Marcus Blunt, um, and those early – Ouch. Yes, uh, Kenny Anderson, a good Celtics. friend of mine, by the way. But uh, yeah, th- those teams, you know, after so many years of of my suffering, you know, a couple decades of awful Celtic, well, more than a decade and a half of awful Celtic teams, you know, Paul Pierce and those guys getting us back to playoff, at least playoff basketball, and and now uh, here we are again on the cusp of possibly, you know, drinking champagne again. And so I guess that leads us now, Guillermo. We're going to get to last season in our second segment. But in our first ever episode, you know, we thought we were going to talk a lot about the NBA draft and and where the Celtics needed to go. But I think we need to address the elephant in the room, or I guess the unicorn in the room, rather, and talk about the news that was broken a couple of hours ago. The Celtics, Washington Wizards, and Los Angeles Clippers working on a deal a a three-team trade that would potentially send sixth man of the year award winner Malcolm Brogdon, a player we all love, you and I love him, out of town to the Clippers, Clippers sending salary and maybe a first-round pick, the 30th pick overall, to the Wizards, and the Celtics getting the unicorn, Kristaps Porzingis. This trade, to me, Guillermo, signifies another kind of all-in move by Brad Stevens, Wick Grusbeck, and company. Uh, what are your thoughts on this deal? Yeah, most definitely. Um, I like the deal. Um, I think we needed the size. I think we had a log jam at point guard and guard last year, and uh, we had to make those decisions whether Marcus was on the floor late or White or Brogdon himself. Um, 
Gallinari is also slated to go to Washington, according to Woj. That's right. Um, so we got to see Gallo. I mean, he's a guy that you know I've I've loved him throughout his career. Lo- loved the idea of him being a Celtic, and and then he blew out his knee playing for Italy in the World Championships. So that's tough. Um, but also being reported that this deal likely because in order for this to happen by midnight, and as we as we uh, record this first podcast, it's almost nine o'clock. Uh, you know, at night. So Porzingis has about three hours to opt in to the second year of of his remaining deal. If he does this opt-in, the trade could go through. And then, uh, you know, that has serious ramifications for the Celtics, who have indicated, apparently through sources, that Jalen Brown will sign a long-term deal in Boston, probably a deal that would make him the highest paid player in the NBA under the Supermax. And that means, apparently, Guillermo, that Grant Williams will not be coming back next season. Yeah, uh, and that's a hard pill to swallow. Um, I'm a fan of Grant Williams and what he meant to this team. Um, But I'm hoping they are able to do a sign-in trade with the team that is going to acquire him. Um, And hopefully we can get some wing or guard depth uh, that way. Um, That way, I know Pritchard doesn't really want to be here anymore, but hopefully he gets an opportunity of more minutes and is willing to stay here. And maybe we can do a sign and trade with him next off season. Um, But I I do like Grant Williams and what he meant to the team last year uh, when, or the year before, I guess with Udoka, I think he and Joe game seven, right. That he had the massive game seven in the Eastern semis. What, What was that game he had where he hit, you know, like six, three point shots. Yeah, he was huge was in huge. the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Um, he did have his blunders, like the game where uh, we played against the Bucks in the regular season, and uh, we went to him late, and he kind of fumbled that possession. Um, but I felt like he was somebody who can switch. You know, one through five. Um, he did what we needed as far as being a spot up shooter. Um, I think he went head to head literally with Jimmy Butler for us. Um, yeah. So I did. I, I'm, I think we're going to miss Grant Williams to a certain extent. Yeah. If this is true and it, it probably is because, and we'll talk about the new collective bargaining agreement later on in the show. But if this is true, we lose as Guillermo just pointed out a very versatile defender and a guy who is a knockdown three point shooter and a guy who is, a typical, you know, Danny Ainge type player, an instigator, a guy that um, is not afraid to mix it up with people. He's physical. Um, the Jimmy Butler thing, a lot of people criticized him for that. Oh, you, you know, you set off playoff Jimmy. I, I sort of looked at it the other way. No one on the Celtics was really doing much. And Grant Williams, you know, he wanted the smoke and he did some things in that game himself, you know, hitting shots and things like that. But who on the Celtics was stopping Jimmy Butler in the early part of that series? I don't, I don't really remember it. So um, that's tough. So where does this leave the Celtics? I, I've seen a lot of criticism already online from people like Michael Wilbon and, you know, other 
prominent analysts saying they don't see how this works. There are a lot of drawbacks to Kristaps Porzingis. Last season, I think he played just over 60 games, maybe 65 games, which is by far the best. If you look at the course of his career, he, like Rob Williams, has not been a very durable player. And so you, you've traded one guy in, in Malcolm Brogdon who also has durability issues, but you bring in a guy who may not play 82 games. He may not play 62 games. You combine that with Rob Williams and you start to go in a 37-year-old Al Horford, you kind of go, wow, we, we may have some issues. But if they can go into the playoffs healthy, this team could make some noise. The Celtics' problem, it seems to me, was that in a playoff series, there's you know they had a hard time scoring. That was the that was the fact of the matter in the in the finals two years ago against Golden State, when they just they did a pretty good job defensively. If you look at the numbers, progressively each game. Golden State scored fewer points, but so did we. And Miami shut us down in Game 7 with that zone. I don't think you're going to be able to zone the Celtics with their new lineup, with Porzingis in there. Uh, so it it is intriguing, but the Celtics probably felt like they had to do something because the mix of personnel they had over the last two seasons, when it mattered, simply couldn't put up the points. Yeah, like you said, I think... That third score is huge. I think for the most part, Derek White was mainly our third go-to guy last year. Um, and again, he's a guard. He's you know kind of small. He's not going to be able to you know drive it as good or be uh, be able to break down a two-three zone as good as maybe putting Porzingis at that free throw line and having him make those decisions that Joker showed us. Um, in the finals against uh, Miami Heat. I'm not too worried about seeding. Um, I mean, Miami clearly showed us seeding really doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I mean, last so year we had two play-in teams go deep. We had one, both of them went to the conference finals in the Lakers and the Heat. So if, if they could do that, then certainly, I mean, we don't want to be in the play-in, but this team has all the earmarks of a team that, could win 55 or more games. And as long as they're healthy, I think you're right. I think health is more important than seeding. Yeah, and I so we got Cornette, we have Moose, um, and I think they can, you know, kind of be a poor man's poor Zingus uh, and kind of help carry us through a long 82-game season. Uh, where, again, we have Rob, we have Al, we have Porzingis. You give them nights off. Unfortunately, they may have some injuries throughout the season. So there's not as much wear and tear with, let's just say, the five bigs that we anticipate having. Who knows what else Brad Stevens has up his sleeve. But um, So I, I think in the 82-game season, we should be okay if we have those five bigs who can play the four and the five. Um, and then, of course, we reduce it down to three of them in the playoffs. Well, it's clear that this, and whether or not this deal 
was announced or not, we were going to say, we were talking about this before we went on that, you know, the team that lost to the Miami heat that lost three games on the parquet and, and choked against the number eight seed was not coming back in its current form. There were going to be changes both driven by poor performance when it mattered and also the salary situation. So, you know, Mike Muscala might not be coming back. He's a free agent. Uh, Blake Griffin could retire. You know, we there are there are fours and fives, if we if we still want to call them that, that that may or may not be back. But Porzingis, what you get in him is a guy that averaged thirty two minutes a game last season, almost thirty three minutes, uh, twenty three points, eight and a half rebounds, and he shot Guillermo. 49.8% from the field and 38% oh, from three. Absolutely beautiful. A guy that loves to play 25 feet from the basket at seven foot three, but defensively he grades out well. Imagine if you look at the Denver Nuggets, the world champs, they've got Jokic and Gordon and Porter. There's a lot of size on that front line, but right. the Celtics can match the size of any team in the league now. They also have shooting. And, you know, I think for in the short term, if everything goes well, we could be contenders again. Would you agree with that? Oh, yes, of course. Um, I think, of, of course, we'll be a top three. I think Milwaukee's going to just reset and the 76ers look like they're going to bring back Harden and reset. Um, so I think we'll be the top three teams again. Um, and those two teams, Milwaukee and Philadelphia are teams with size. They are teams that mm -hmm. can be very deadly in the paint. And so I think Brad Stevens wanted to address that. You mentioned Malcolm Brogdon, you mentioned Peyton Pritchard. So I, I want to, you know, talk about that as well. If you are a fan of Marcus Smart or Derek White or Peyton Pritchard, you are happy tonight because those guys are all safe. It looks like Peyton Pritchard's role will expand and hopefully it expands enough to where he wants to stay a Celtic. Who knows what happens the rest of tonight or tomorrow night on the draft. There could be more moves up Brad's sleeve, but um, for now it looks like those three guys benefit from this trade. And I think Al Horford benefits from this trade. I think Rob Williams Definitely. benefits from this trade and uh with the departure of gallinari you know sam hauser is probably pretty happy tonight but again given our performance last year this may not be the only move uh for the celtics yeah uh i i really like the moves brad has done since taking over as gm i mean he flipped kemba for al um, he brought Brogdon in for a, a number one pick that we probably weren't going to use. And, you know, I'm sorry to those guys, but kind of some bench fodder. Um, and now you flipped. Apologies to Daniel Tyson and Neesmith. I'm sorry. And Neesmith looks terrific on the Pacers, but to flip now Brogdon for Porzingis and potentially extend him, um, now that kind of furthers our window and if anything with the cba which we'll get into 
we may flip Porzingis for bench depth going forward. Um, after after these, next season. Right. Once these guys sign, you know, their super maxes. Um, so yeah. I, I just like the moves that he's making. Well, I think it's agreed a hundred percent and it's a little bit refreshing. If you are one of these Danny Ainge haters to see right <laughs> now, I am not a Danny Ainge hater because you know, I, like you, am old enough to remember a time where we trotted out, you know, Mark Blunt at center and, you know, some of these other guys. and Eric Williams. People, yeah, I mean, those guys were – the Jim O'Brien Celtics were a gritty group that mm-hmm. won with defense and the heroics of Paul Pierce and, you know, Antoine Walker occasionally banking in a three. And, you know, winning 50 games and, and – and going to the Eastern Conference Finals at a time when Los Angeles Lakers and Shaquille O'Neal dominated the NBA, that seemed good for people who did not live through the era of Celtics dominance. But this is a town where the only thing that matters is championships. Danny Ainge understood that. He blew up that team and got us a championship. And then when we had squeezed all the blood out of that turnip, he unfortunately, you know, Paul Pierce had to retire in an, in another uniform and Kevin Garnett had to retire in another uniform, but he brought us Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And so right. now we are sort of on the cusp of another era and Danny went off to a new challenge. You know, I, I don't know how many folks know this, but Danny is a very religious guy. He's a Bishop in his church. He has grandkids that he didn't see that often and a very good friend that owns the jazz. And so he took that challenge and here comes Brad Stevens, who is not a guy that necessarily likes draft picks. Um, One thing I will say about Brad Stevens, he seems to have a pattern of trading for players. And Danny did a little bit of this too, that dominated the Celtics. I mean, do you remember that game against the wizards last year? I think Porzingis pretty much single-handedly put the screws to us. Yeah, um, what I I wish we did is got some of the guards who have killed us in the past, like an Ish Smith or a Shake Melton. I don't know how those guys did it, but those uh, we need I mean, a guard you, like that as well. I yeah, I don't know how much of that you know carries over with some of these role players. I mean, I Ish Smith looks like you know Gail you know Goodrich or you know Jerry West <laughs> playing against us, but. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kristaps Porzingis, yeah, he dominated us last year in in a game that was just, I mean, I think the Wizards beat us by like 25 last year. You have to look that up. Sure. But uh, he, he is a very good player. Quick story. I, I remember watching, what was the year that Porzingis was drafted? I'm, I'm trying to remember that. Um, I think the the first pick that year was Carl Anthony Towns, if I'm not mistaken out of Kentucky. And I remember watching uh, NBA TV. They had a draft special on that night. And they had four players that were, this would have been the 2015 draft, maybe? Is that, um, I'm going to look that it up right, right now. For Porzingis? Let me, let me, let me look so. that up. I believe so. That's his first year. Playing so, yeah. So they had four players up there and they were asking these players, 
you know, one simple question, which was, what are you most excited about, you know, about being in the NBA? And I think the players that they had there were Carl Anthony Towns, Jaleel Okafor, Porzingis, and I think it was Frank Kaminsky out of, out of Wisconsin. Hmm. And so they asked these guys, you know, why do you want to be in, and what's the most exciting thing about being on the cusp of achieving your dream? And, you know, some of these players were like, I'm so excited to go up against Kobe or, you know, I want to, I'm so excited to be able to buy my mom a house, you know, or whatever it was, pay back my family for all everything they did for me. And they go to Porzingis and he's like, in NBA, I get keys to gym. I mean, you know, he's speaking in this thick Latvian accent. He's like, I'm excited because I get keys to gym. And I thought to myself, that's the guy I want is the guy who is, is excited to be able to have his own facilities and get to work. It wasn't about the bling. It wasn't about going up against child. He just you know, he, he looked to me like this Yvonne Drago with, you know, Sean Bradley, you know, physique. Yeah. He hasn't stayed healthy through most of his career, but if he can do, if he can replicate what he did last season, Guillermo, and you, and you, and you give Jason Tatum one or two more little things in his bag, Jalen Brown with the motivation, obviously he's got to, target on his back with that contract and, and getting most of the blame for that game seven loss. You know how motivated Jalen Brown is. This could be, and if Porzingis is content to be a number three player on offense, the Celtics will be deadly. And that's the perk about it is he doesn't have to be a number one or a number two. Like he has been, he can be a number three and, we can also let Jalen and Tatum get rest. Like when Tatum sat, I was biting my nails because I didn't know how we would play. Um, so having him as a number three again with a Derek White and with it also lessens the load on a Marcus Smart. You know, we don't need him to take the shots he unfortunately needed to take to, you know, keep us in the game. I think of the shots you know, getting us to overtime or not getting us to overtime for Marcus. Um, And again, he doesn't have to do those things um, with Porzingis joining. Yeah. Marcus Smart, my favorite player. That's your guy. Yeah. On my mantle, I have, you know, and and Guillermo, full disclosure, for those that don't know, I am currently located in about five miles away from Paul Silas's jersey which hangs inside the Chai Health Arena where the Creighton Blue Jays play. He's, he's one of the all-time greats from Creighton. And uh, so I'm in Nebraska, folks. And so I cannot just go to my local grocery store and get Wicked Smats cereal. Guillermo <laughs> ships those to me, uh, which I have to have every morning. Um, I, I can't dye my hair green because I'm – currently a member of the United States military, but I, I love Marcus smart. I eat his cereal every morning and on my mantle next to my wedding photo, I have a sign that says in this house, we do not, what, I'm trying to remember exactly. No, it's no a, Marcus smart slander. 
Yeah, we do not slander Marcus Smart. That's right. Thanks, Cameron. So, I mean, I love Marcus, but you're right. He was having to assume that role. And I think, you know, in some of those series, he was getting 22, 23 points. Uh, he had famously that that game-winning shot that went in, but we didn't get it to him quick enough. He almost hit that shot in game six against Miami. He's right. willing to do some of that, but even he knows that's not his role. This frees him up to be the playmaker, which we, we saw he was really good at at times last season. And Porzingis will be happy to take the kickouts from, from JT and JB. And uh, at times, he can just go down and dominate. Well, when we come back in our second segment, a quick recap, a look at last season. Was last season a failure or just growing pains? We'll also give our thoughts on Coach Joe Mazzula when we come back on Lucky's Lounge. Welcome back to Lucky's Lounge, the official podcast of Celtic Fanatics. Guillermo Diaz, Ron Flanders back after discussing a mind-blowing Porzingis trade rumor that turned into a potential deal. Hopefully Porzingis signs his extension and that deal becomes a reality. But as we look forward to next season, want to just for a few seconds get your thoughts, Guillermo, on what really ended up being a season that left a bad taste in the mouths of yours truly and a lot of Celtic diehards. If we go back to two seasons ago, the Celtics with their first finals trip since 2010, losing to the Golden State Warriors dynasty, a a season where I thought the Celtics were the best team in the NBA. And probably after winning game one in San Francisco, winning game three, had they won game four, would have been world champions. Steph Curry did his thing. The Celtics could not score in the latter part of that series. Coming Then we have the Udoka firing or suspension, ultimately firing, and the Celtics destroy all expectations. Last season, winning 57 games, they were the top seed still left standing when it got down to four teams. They would have had home court throughout the playoffs, and I don't think there's any other way to say it, Guillermo, but they choked. Do you agree with that assessment? For last year, yes. I think I hate using that term, but unfortunately, yeah, I think it was a choke, Um, especially with the quote-unquote path that the Celtics had. Um, I know Miami really studied uh, the Celtics – since uh, we played them last year in the Eastern Conference Finals, especially a guy like um, Martin. Um, but, yeah, I think... Oh, my God, Caleb Martin. <laughs> Talk about Jekyll and Hyde from one series to the next. I mean, uh, he was almost I mean, non-existent in the finals. But against us, he... I mean, yeah, all those guys gave Vincent, Struess... Uh, hell, even Duncan Robinson with the back in the finals, but against against us, he he was their MVP. He should have been the Eastern Conference Finals MVP, in my opinion. I think you got to give it to Jimmy. I, I, they don't, you know, get yeah, there I mean, and win without Jimmy. Yeah. Based on that series alone, yeah, yeah, 
he was the guy to me because you know the game to me the most pivotal games were games one and two if mm. the Celtics win one of those games I think you know they might not even be celebrating in the Mile High City right now but but Caleb Martin regardless of who deserved it whatever the Celtics did not deserve it Correct. And they proved that with their performance at home and so you kind of you know I don't know a lot of Celtic fans and I'm I think I speak for many of us kind of feel like we could have had one over these last two seasons and we didn't. So were those wasted seasons or just stepping stones to the ultimate championship that, you know, is not our birthright just because we wear green and white. I mean, you got to go out and win the games, Guillermo. Yes. Yes, this is true. Um, I think it is a stepping stone. That's what the way I'm going to look at it. Um, that Warriors team, I mean, their quote unquote dynasty team, um, with the big three that they had. Um, and then I just don't know if we would have matched up well against the Nuggets. Um, I, yeah, I think we would have matched up better than the Heat. But I think the Nuggets still would have gotten us in six, um, especially with the turnovers that we had in the like. I mean, Jalen Brown showed us his left; he can't go left. Um, and then again, this too much on Tatum and Brown, um, and the pieces not really gelling as well as uh, we anticipated with the three guards. Um, so like you said earlier, the size that they had, I think would have somewhat outmatched us. Um, especially again, the way Joker is playing is ridiculous. Um, and that pick and roll with, uh, with Murray is kind of a killer. So to be able to go up against them, I, it would have been heartbreaking to, um, go back to back and lose in both finals. I think it was good to kind of get the slap in the face uh, from the Heat. They, I think the Celtics did it to themselves. They didn't protect the home parquet. Um, they went too long in the Hawks series. They went too long in the 76ers series. Um, and they obviously, point. they obviously went too long in the Heat series. Um, and that didn't help a guy like uh, Rob, who, you know, got sick in the end, or Malcolm, who got injured in the end, or even Al Horford, who, you know, the elite well, well, shooting put, slipped a little let's bit. Put it out, let's put this out to our very nascent Twitter following at this point. And, and just to let everybody know, you can follow Lucky's Lounge at Lucky's Lounge Pod on Twitter. And the poll that's out there right now, would the Celtics have beaten the Nuggets Yes or no? Oh boy! Uh, chime in on Twitter, and uh, Guillermo, get your buddies on there to chime in. But uh, I think they would have beaten Denver. Miami over the last five seasons in the regular season was one and nine against Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets. The Celtics much more success. We were a team that actually owned the Nuggets over the last few seasons. Last year, one and one. But I think that Al Horford defensively does enough against Jokic. And I just think Miami didn't have the offense that we do. They knew how to confound us with Eric Spolstra in his zone, but 
I think had we played Denver, uh, we do get it done. That's irrelevant. Miami deserved to win. We did not. Correct. And so here we are. But I, I'm going to agree with you that we just got to look at it as a stepping stone. I don't know how long it took. Uh, and apologies to Jason Tatum worshipers. He's not Larry Bird. You know, Larry Bird came into the league and, and won a championship in his second year. Uh, Jason Tatum, his road might be more like a Michael Jordan or somebody like that, where it takes him seven, eight years to win a championship, hopefully. But, but you know, you don't find players who have as much success as Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum in terms of Eastern Conference Finals four out of six years. I mean, they're used to being there. They've come very close. And maybe this Porzingis deal and, and a couple other things Brad has in his, in his up his sleeve, maybe that gets us there. Oh, yeah. Brad's not done. Um, but like you said, very close, but no red hour back cigar, right? So, you know, I see this team going through the growing pains. You know, it means a lot to them just as much as it means to us uh, diehard fans and our our stress level. Uh, like I was talking to my brother earlier. He's not really a fan of the Porzingis trade and was really upset about the stress caused from the Celtics last year. Uh, but I'm excited. I think, again, Brad Stevens will continue to cook. Um, we got the draft tomorrow. Um, we got the sign and trade with Grant on the table. We got Pritchard. If, you know, he still doesn't want to play with us, even though he'll, he'll have a big and roll, bigger role. Like I can't wait for a Pritchard Porzingis pick and roll. Like that's going to be fun to see. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the size, just the size disparity alone. I mean, a guy that's six foot tall, you know, with, with combat boots on take, you know, taking a screen from a seven, three guy, it, it is going to be a, a very interesting thing to see, to say the least. But I, I agree with you. I think most Celtic fans are patient. We trust a lot of franchises would love to have the, the pain that we have of losing Correct. a game seven in the Eastern conference finals. But when you get that close and I think it's just natural human, you know, you will find as, as you listen, you know, a lot of our fans, the old school folks like me, the, the Irish Americans who are just super superstitious, <laughs> you know, I never look a gift horse in that mouth. Guillermo, you know, I never say, oh, that's a W. You look on the schedule, you go, that's a W. I think when the Bucks got taken out by the Heat, you know, a Tyler Hero was was out and then they lost Oladipo and you saw, you know, right. he took Philly out as we always do. Yeah. But you, you saw all these upsets occurring across the league. Phoenix got taken out. It was just natural for a human to say, we got this, you know, we're going to be at home and, you know, yeah. Celtics haven't been good at home. Yeah. The last couple of years in the playoffs. Yeah. And, and yeah, no. And that's a strange thing. And, something that they definitely have to figure out. I mean, that's the whole point of home court advantage. You sleep in your own bed. You don't have the travel. Um, like they definitely have to figure that out. I know Jalen crawled out the fans um, on one of his post games, but 
the fans are gonna always be there. We're Celtics Nation. We're gonna bring you that Celtic pride. But if you guys aren't delivering on the parquet, I mean, we're gonna boo you as well. You gotta bring it on the floor so that we're always gonna bring that energy no matter what. Even if you go on a run, you know, we'll bring that energy, but you gotta put forth the effort to have that energy reciprocated back to you. It was funny seeing some of the media reports. You know, you, you you read the recaps and people not understanding the Celtics getting booed off the court. I think it what game was that where they were booed off the court? I think it was one of the Philly games where we got yeah. booed off the yeah. court. Yeah, and in a playoff scenario, and it's like I thought only Philly fans booed their team. Well, no. If you don't respect the game, if you don't give max effort, and you're and you're embarrassing the franchise, that could happen in Boston. And I, I think the players understand that. I don't, you know, they don't have to like it, but they they understand that. And and to a man, they will all say that we have the best fans in the league. Uh, it was a tough, it was a tough way to end the season, but uh, it, better times ahead. I want I want to ask. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. It's just their inconsistency. Um, you never know what you're gonna, which Celtics team you're gonna get any given night. And I hope, again, with the better coaching staff that I know we'll tap into, and um, with Porzingis coming, and you know some of the shift we do um, with this roster, where there's more consistency, we know what we're gonna get night in, night out. Um, they struggled with that identity piece, like you talked about before. We were a defensive team with Udoka, and we really pushed offense and the margins with um, Joe, but um, Coach Missoula. But I just want more consistency and know what we're going to get any given night from the Celtic team. I was there when, you know, that was that was game five versus the Celtics, and I mean, sorry, versus the 76ers, and that was just one of the worst basketball games to watch live. Um, it was it was really hard to see your team go out um, and on their own home floor like that. By the way, we, we've got a lot of plans for this podcast. Obviously, episode one, this is, you know, the base model, but there will be a lot of things added to this vehicle. One of the things we hope to have is to have some of our very good friends from the Boston Garden on this show. Yes, sir. You will find Guillermo and I in Loge 20 throughout the season. Uh, we have a half-season plan, and and we sit right behind the Celtics bench. Uh, there were some painful moments, and I think one of the most painful moments, and we'll talk about it for me, um, because my military duties do not allow me to be at all games. Guillermo's more of a, a regular there than I am. But we were sitting there in game one, mm of the Eastern conference semis and, and watching, you know, James Harden, a mm-hmm. team without Joel Reed beat us. Um, it, it was very emblematic of what you talk about, which is the inconsistency, the, the tendency by the Celtics to play down to their opponent or to, to maybe naturally let up a little bit when they think that they have a reason to expect a win. Yeah. At least that's, that's how it felt to me. And, and maybe an apologies to the guys, if that's not true, I wanted to hear in this uh, Rem- second segment. Remember, touch that, on remember that Thunder game. 
Yeah. Th- that too, right? <laughs> I mean, it's like, oh, well, SGA's not playing, yeah. and these guys aren't playing. And, and hey, these guys in the NBA, they have a lot of pride. Mm-hmm. And every team has three or four players who feel like they'd be starting on other teams or they would be they would be putting up numbers if they didn't get it, you know, if they got a chance. I mean, look at, uh, you know, Muscala's first game with us where he started and played 40 minutes or whatever. I think he had about 18 in that game. And you don't, I mean, you just look at our team. We've got guys like Mike Muscala last year. Look at the game that, that, uh, two years ago when Peyton Pritchard got to go home to Portland and got to play some major minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had like, I think he had about 30 in that game. Yeah. It seemed like yeah. it. So every team has guys like that and the Celtics, you know, you just can't let up, you, you know, and, and I just feel like we've got good leaders on this team, Marcus Smart being one of them, but we just lack the mental toughness at times. I want to talk about, to close this segment, Coach Joe Mazzulla, because I think there was a time there, especially after we were down 3-0 to the heat, that people said that Joe Mazzulla was going to be fired if the Celtics were swept by the heat. And I think that might have been a possibility. Remember that, uh, you know, the, the whole reason he was the coach to begin with was Wick Grusbeck and and his morality, his his business sense, whatever it was that caused him to get rid of Ime Adoka, we lost Will Hardy. This 34-year-old kid gets thrust into this role. And I he did an amazing job. 57 wins, getting us to the Eastern Conference Finals. But had they been swept by a team that we had beaten the year before after going out and, and getting Malcolm Brogdon and, and getting some of those other bench pieces like Muscala and others, would he have survived? I'm not sure he would have had we been swept. I think he would have. Um, he got that extension midseason um, after or during like the all-star break when he was announced uh, head coach of the all-star team. He didn't. He wasn't given, like you said, a fair shot due to the situation that happened prior to the start of the season. So he didn't get to pick his guys um, for the Assistance. bench, right? Um, and he didn't have his own off season, so he had his own view, um, and he had to implement it throughout the season. Um, so it's really tough to get everybody's buy in. Uh, with what you want to do when everything's just kind of rushed and shoved, like, hey, uh, you're actually going to own this whole process. Uh, So I think he got a year under his belt, um, and he's also a Brad guy. At the end of the day, Brad picks the coach, and yes, Wick signs off on it, but this is what Brad wanted. Um, I'm sure he could have hired Will Hardy or – um, someone else, but I think he went with someone he knew. Um, and now we're seeing how this off season is playing with supporting uh, Joe Missoula. And um, I don't, again, I just don't think he would have been fired right away uh, with, they were going to, they weren't going to eat that contract 
um, that they that they gave him as well. So I, I maybe, maybe maybe not. I I think that could the pressure from the fans would have been immense, and you might have seen Brad Stevens have to stick his neck out even further. But after Game Seven. The media, who clearly thought that Missoula might not be sticking around, asked Brad Stevens about his 34-year-old head coach. Brad gave him the vote of confidence, and he's going to be here. We'll talk about his assistance in segment one, number three, but I want to remind Celtic fans or maybe let them know something that maybe they didn't know, which is that Walter Brown, the patriarch of the Celtics, uh, when he had the Celtics in the early years, they were horrible. We were not a, a dominant team in the first few seasons as one of the original six or so franchises in the league had a co- had an opening for a head coach. And he kind of asked around and said, Hey, who should we hire? And our back had been coaching. I, I forget where, where he had been coaching in the league. I think he had coached elsewhere. But they said, you need to hire this young coach, Red Auerbach, who was 33 years old (laughs) when they hired him. Okay. And I don't think he won a championship for in any of his first five or six seasons. But Red was sort of the Celtics at that point. He was the coach. He was the GM. He was the equipment manager. He did everything. And he's notorious for some of the uh, draft picks that he made or legendary for some of the draft picks that he made. Uh, Missoula doesn't have to worry about that, but he also is just 34 years of age and got a lot of great experience last season. I think the players do like him. There was a lot of talk about how the players went to him and said, Hey, Please insert Rob into the starting lineup. This isn't working. He he did that. He went back to Derek White uh, after we were getting our butts kicked by the Heat. But, you know, still learning. Now he has a chance to have a training camp uh, with his assistants and, and with a 20 – how old is Porzingis? 28-year-old potential all-star center – or 7-3 power forward to add to his his two all-star wings. So there will be no excuses at the end of this season, Guillermo. Yes, but do you think if they don't win a championship, he gets fired? I don't see that. I think if he gets to it's Eastern Conference, I know we want, of course, a championship, but I think if he at least continues to contend and be you know, kind of March Madness, a final four team. Um, I don't think he'll get fired. Um, I think they give him. Yeah, I, I don't even want to, I don't even want to speculate about that. <laughs> I, I just want to think positive thoughts about the season. Yes, and let's not, let's just say uh, Celtic nation is riding high tonight with this news of this potential trade, yeah. but you know, he will, we'll talk about his coaches in a second. Yeah. I want to real quick go to our tweet of the week okay. and we'll start this podcast as a weekly podcast. Before we go to our tweet of the week, uh, I need to get your opinion as, as the co as the co-producer of this podcast. Will we be, uh, you know, ex- parental guidance, explicit lyrics, or, or are we going to have to uh, censor? Or are we going to have to censor, profanity on this podcast 
I'm not because I'm not super into profanity. So again, if it, you no, by means gonna... go ahead at it, I, I'm sure I might slip up here and there, especially with a stressful Celtic right, season. Gonna... So we'll be a PG 13 podcast Sounds good. then, Sounds and we good. will. We will censor this because there's a couple of things in here, um, a couple of quotes and statements from various people that that have uh, bad words in them. But I, I will I will censor this out. And and this tweet of the week is from Jason Tatum, oh who earlier tonight, after seeing Shams and Woj and all the speculation, and, and by the way, before the Porzingis potential trade was reported, there were reports the Celtics had had discussions and kicked the tires on a DeAndre Ayton trade. Yeah. And, I mean, talk about a, a zone buster there. That guy, for many things, would have been a very good fit from an offensive skill set, maybe even better than Porzingis, but not the defender, not as big. Um, but, you know, sources saying Celtics doing this, sources saying that. Jason Tatum tweets out tonight, <laughs> anybody else tired of seeing, quote, per source, after every quote, put a name on it or keep that bleep to yourself, LOL. Uh, Got to agree with JT on this. Yeah, uh, I also agree. I know, but this is part of, you know, our lives with the reporting um, that happens, especially this is the off season. That's where rumors are kicked and, uh, you know, you throw things around, whether it was his buddy Bradley Beal potentially coming, I'm sure. That's why he may be a little upset, um, but you just got to, you know, throw stuff. This is why we love the NBA. I mean, you know, we have the debates in the barbershop. Right. We have the trade machine. We have right. Woj. We have Shams. Right. Um, we we love it, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to see uh, what other sources are reporting for the rest of of this week and, and tomorrow night's draft. And when we come back for our final segment of the, the initial version of Lucky's Lounge, we'll get into Lucky's List, which will take a look at the Celtics draft, which I think this will be the third draft for Brad Stevens. And we'll also talk Brad's assistance and more when we come back on Lucky's Lounge podcast. Welcome back to Lucky's Lounge and our final segment, Lucky's List. I just got handed this by the Leprechaun. There's three things on it, Guillermo. The first thing has a, a lot to do with this Porzingis-Brogdon trade and potentially the future of the Celtics, and that is item number one, the new collective bargaining agreement. The players making a deal with the owners just before this trade was announced that creates a new system by which super teams are going to be hard to keep, and the Warriors will find this out. There is a new thing called a second apron, which if teams exceed the luxury tax by a certain amount, they will not be able to sign players to mid-level taxpayers' exceptions or anything like that. They will have to fill out their rosters with minimum salaries. The NBA reporting today that revenue estimates have led to an increase in the projected salary cap by $2 million and the luxury tax by $3 million. So the luxury tax, Celtics are way over the cap. I think we were taxpayers last year, right, Guillermo? Correct. 
And so the tax this year going to be at $165 million. Before we traded Malcolm Brogdon, we were coming in at about 158, if I'm not mistaken. Trading Brogdon and his 22 and a half and Gallinari and his 6.8 puts us at about, you know, we're adding with Porzingis if he opts into his final year of his deal and does not want to be a free agent. If he wants to be a Boston Celtic, he opts in tonight. He's got a couple more hours left at $36 million a year. So we're adding several million more. So we're going to be in the tax again. And that means the Celtics have one year to try to make it work with Tatum, Brown, and Porzingis before they decide if they want to keep Porzingis and extend him. Extending him anyway. But if you know, whether they trade him or trade Brown next season, because obviously JT is here for the long haul. It also means, though, that Grant Williams is probably gone. Thoughts on the salary structure and, and you know, did we make a mistake by acquiring this this big contract? Uh, no, I'm hoping he re-signs and it's more of a cap-friendlier deal um, with – uh, Brown and Tatum taking bigger pieces of the pie once they re-sign their Supermax contracts. Um, but I think we'll get a lot more players uh, like a Blake Griffin who, quote-unquote, want to ring chase um, and want to be with the team that um, has all-stars, you know, all-NBA caliber players um, and don't ha- really have to uh, make much, but can contribute. Um, we saw last, you know, trade deadline players like uh, Tory Craig or uh, Will Barton um, kind of take on those those deals to join, you know, teams um, that were playoff and title contenders um, with the lesser role. Again, trying to ring chase. Um, so I think it'll work out in the end with the talent we have on the team. Um, going forward, we'd have to see, you know, next year, you know, with and now Horford, a smart um, White's going to need to be re-signed as well. Um, even uh, uh, Rob Rob's deal looks really good right now. Um, so it's going to be interesting next year, but for this year, um, you know, Wick is willing to spend. Let's put all the chips in. Let's let's go get this banner eighteen and um, put. The- I, I, I don't even say that number. I'm just. I, I, I believe that we've been jinxed. I think we we jinxed ourselves when we made those damn T-shirts. Before that the, the, unfinished, know, the unfinished business. business. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, clever, but just stop talking about eighteen. <laughs> stop. And, and I, I I've got something later on in the list to to talk about that, but. I think you're right. It's really all about this season. Yeah. You know, if we don't get it done this season, you know, maybe maybe we do trade Jalen Brown at that point. I mean, really, this is Brad Steve. This is Brad Stevens saying, "Okay, guys, I got you even more mm-hmm. or more of a balanced thing. Now go out and get it. And Correct. if we get it, you know, the Warriors, Draymond Green opted out of his deal. He's a he's a free agent. Yeah. And the Warriors are going to try to sign him because you know what? 
they got four championships. And and I don't think Warriors fans are like, all right, let's dump salary. No, you make another run. We have exactly zero championships with this group. If we can get it, then it's worth it. If not, we'll consider it at the end of the year. But, you know, we've got a, another poll question up right now on Lucky's Lounge. Is Jalen Brown worth the Supermax? I don't think he is. Oh, and that's boy. another question. Oh, is Jalen Brown, you know, seeing the commitment of Celtics ownership saying, yeah, you know, I don't have a left hand. I choked big time in, in all of these big moments the last two years. I don't need $50 million a year. I can live with 35 Is there any chance of that happening? Probably not. Wishful thinking on my part. Yeah, I highly doubt that. Um, <laughs> I, I I just hope they that him and Tatum, you know, I heard they, they, t- they trained this offseason together. Um, but instead of taking 35% of the pie, go 30, go 32. Just leave – Jalen, both of them. Why not both of them? Um, take yeah, a little wow. less of the the pie so that you can have a team around you and you can win uh, one, two, three, four. You know, championships in your career with the Boston Celtics, the team that you said in the city you said you were going to go to war with. So, I mean, seriously, I think I was. I had the TV on mute in my office today, and I saw. Another commercial with Jason Tatum. I mean, this guy's got major endorsement money. Mm-hmm. You know, at some point, you know, Deuce's great grandchildren, you know, don't need, you know, a fifth Bugatti. I mean, they, these guys are printing <laughs> money, you know, in in St. Louis right now. They don't need the that much money. Could they? It's just their age. I mean, Tatum and Brown are young enough to where they think I got to get my money. Giving up money like that is not a, a hallmark of young players, but we can we can wish, right? Yeah, and I think two things. One, awesome on Tatum's part because from what I've heard, he doesn't spend his NBA money. He just uh, spends his um, endorsement money. So awesome job on his part. But for Brown also, him being um, part of the players' union, I think – they kind of push for you to get everything you can um, so that, you know, the people coming behind you get more as well. Um, I mean, we're going to see in the future years, you know, players getting $60 million year deals. Um, so it's just going to be part of the norm. It's huge numbers for us now when, you know, we're thinking role players are going to start making $20 million. Um, but it's just how the future is going to look. Okay. Well, the, the other thing to close this one item out is that Grant Williams is probably gone. The Celtics will yeah. likely extend him the qualifying offer at $6 million a year. Right. Rumors, JT, I know he hates the sources, but we've <laughs> seen in the rumor mill today up to a dozen teams with some interest in Grant Williams, but many of them do not have – the money under the cap to make him a significant offer. So it'll be interesting to see who steps forward. Maybe it's Indiana. Maybe it's another team with, with a, an offer that the Celtics cannot match, but then they can at that point negotiate a deal and get uh, some, something of value, whether that's a, a low priced wing option, whether that's draft compensation, but Grant Williams likely not coming back. I- Item number two. 
Go ahead, Guillermo. Uh, sorry, just to touch on that. I think we'll see more three, four team deals because of, you know, that very reason with the caps. But that's just my two cents. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, the, the other two items here, the second one is the assistant coaches. And and we talked about Joe Missoula. Maybe the Celtics would have been fine. I wonder who they would have hired if Will Hardy had not left to go coach the Utah Jazz. Would Will Hardy have been the coach? But with Will Hardy leaving and Joe Missoula, you know, being thrust into the job on the eve of training camp with, you know, the, the Portland gang, you know, Ime Adoka's handpicked assistants, <laughs> he made the best of it. Let's not forget, too, that Damon Stoudemire left in the middle of the season to go right. be the head coach at Georgia Tech. Yeah. Missoula was left to navigate the NBA playoffs and go up against a chess master in Eric Spolstra without a veteran bench coach, without you know a lot of experience on his own bench. And the Celtics have rectified that now. Um, we talked about you and I sitting there. Uh, the funny story, you and I went to game one of the Eastern Conference semis. And it was funny because during that game, we were sitting next to Dante Jones and Phil Pressey. And Phil Pressey walked out of that game before the buzzer sounded. And I I think I said to him, hey, Phil, are you coming back to join Joe's staff next year? Ha, 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 ha. And he kind of laughed. Yeah. Because, um, you know, at that point, it looked like the Celtics were heading to a possible championship. The Celtics get a gut punch from James Harden. You and I, you know, I'm I'm near tears. You know? <laughs> You're sitting there going, hey, Cap, you know, don't worry. I'll pay your parking. The, the six the, the $60 parking in the garden. That didn't make me feel any better, by the way. <laughs> we get to the car, you know, we're, we're dead last in line. So we didn't leave the garden until like 11 o'clock that night. It's true. But coming out of, you know, the garden club or whatever, we bump into Sam Cassell. Mm-hmm. And he was laughing at us. And I'm like, yo, Sam, I mean, why you got to hurt, you know, the team that, got you your third championship and he's laughing at us. And we also bumped into Gino Oriema. Yeah. You remember that? Yes, of course. Uh, it was awesome to see those guys. And uh, Cassell actually, I had the 08 ring on and he said, I got one of those um, and took a picture of the ring. Um, you had the 08 ring on, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so it was funny because now just a couple months later, um, Phil Pressey is a new hire. The Celtics first, Brad Stevens first brought in Sam Cassell. Yeah. So he is now supposedly the lead assistant, mm-hmm. the number one guy, the guy that when Missoula gets ejected from a game, uh, Sam Cassell will be the guy. But he is he's also the heir apparent if Missoula fails at some point, I have to think because Cassell has interviewed for numerous head coaching jobs. Um, Phil Pressey has been brought in. I think he is a, a good choice as a guy, as a younger coach that players can relate to and also a grinder. Mm. And, and now you got Gino Auriemma who, and they also 
assigned uh, one of Coach Bud's guys in Milwaukee, who is another guy who's interviewed for head jobs. Is that is that Coach Lee? Yeah, Coach Charles Lee. Yeah. And did we sign another guy today? Yep, today uh, we signed uh, Emil Jefferson, um, who had a short stint with the Celtics, did play uh, with the Orlando Magic, and has been recently coaching um, with Coach K um, and the Blue Devils. Is is that guy a friend of one Jason Tatum? Was that when did he? Get his cup of coffee with the Celtics. Um, we actually released him in 2020. Um, so yeah, he will be. I think this guy was a guy that was very close with Jason Tatum in his one year at Duke, and I think he's actually a, a friend of Jason Tatum. You know, I think, and and I have sort of a a love hate relationship with some of these young players. <laughs> I mean, Jason Tatum. His skill set is incredible. I think was he a rookie the year in in 2018 in the Eastern Conference Finals game 7 when he dunked in LeBron's face yeah, yeah. and then hit that big 3. Mm-hmm. I mean, you cannot do anything but love the talent. But here is a guy who is about to be making, you know, 60, 70, whatever how much he's going to make when he gets his extension. He's got uh the Celtics essentially running daycare for his child. Um, and I think they gave him like three or four courtside seats as part of his deal. Now, Peyton Pritchard's fiance or whatever is sitting off to our right in section 20, but JT, you know, he's, you know, Brandy, his mother is courtside deuce is courtside. And I guess he's saying my buddies get to be coaches. I mean, it's almost like Jalen Brunson's dad getting to be a head, you know, being an assistant coach. The players have that much pull. I think this new hire is all the doing of Jason Tatum. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think not for nothing, he's the star. I mean, cater to him, make sure he's comfortable. Um, But make sure that these guys know what they're doing. So I think being with Coach K and, you know, being in the Duke program, it's not just Joe Schmo, one of his buddies, from St. Louis, but somebody who's basketball minded, who's a former player. Um, hey, look, I mean, if, if Jason Tatum is uh, agrees to sign a lifetime deal with the Celtics, they can hire Nelly to be their assistant. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. Anybody from St. Louis, just keep number zero in green and white, right? Yeah, and I think, uh, remember the Udoka hiring, right? They wanted somebody that they were comfortable with. You know, they knew him from Team USA. Um, and that they knew. So just get these guys comfortable. Make sure that these guys have basketball minds. Um, and let's, again, let's be consistent. Well, the Celtics hiring Sam Cassell and Phil Pressey, two guys we saw at game one in that Philly series. Yes, sir. The third guy, I know he's not leaving UConn, but we can dream. Wouldn't Gino Ariema be the, the nice you know icing on the cake for this coaching staff? And I mean, I know that his, you know, he's made his money in the women's game, but, you know, Becky Hammond went on to, you know, win a WNBA championship after coaching in the men's game uh, and, and being part of coach pop staff. Why couldn't we bring Gino on? And he made news this past week when uh, he, he started talking about 
you know, his players and, and, you know, and teams having different mottos and, and different things, um, you know, on social media, different teams having things. Did you see him say this? No, I'm, I missed that. So earlier this week, I guess there was some discussion about, you know, he said, everybody's got the redeem, you know, cause they got Paige Beckers coming back and there's a lot of expectations that with her coming back from injury that UConn will be back. And so coach Gino said, quote, everybody's got redeem team and everybody's got reload team and unfinished business team. Uh, 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 that's a slap <laughs> at the Celtics, I think. And everybody's got all this stuff out there. Hold on. And he goes, how about maybe, you know, how about we just shut the bleep up and win games? How about we just do that? Maybe that's what, this should be just shut the bleep up and win games. And I think that's the mentality that the Celtics need to have. Forget about the t-shirts, the unfinished business, the drive for 18, all that. Just go out and do it. Stop talking. Stop with the slogans. Just go out and do it. Thoughts. Yeah. I I know that's right up your alley. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think at the end of the day, you know, it's not really for the players. It's for the fans. It's to sell merch and uh, things like that. So, you know, as long as they don't feed into uh, those things and like you said, just go out, win games, um, they'll be fine. I'm sure there'll be a new slogan that somebody's cooking up for this upcoming season. Um, but that's just part of, you know, selling and branding for franchises. So I'm okay with it. Um, I know you're superstitious and don't want to hear it, but I'm okay with the, the it. Old, old guys like me, you know, we, we're not impressed by it, but <laughs> you're right. It does, it does get the young folks excited. Uh, as long as they win, I guess I'm okay with it. Final item on the list, tomorrow night's NBA draft. And, uh, you know, I wish you were going to make it to my NBA draft party, Guillermo, because my wife makes some some pretty mean enchiladas, but you know, we're separated by you know sixteen hundred miles or whatever, so we'll just have to to call after the draft. Celtics not really huge players in this draft. This, of course, will be the draft of Victor Wembiana. I think there's some other really good players in this draft that teams like the Charlotte Hornets and potentially whoever makes a deal with the Portland Trailblazers at three are going to get some very good players. But the Celtics are sitting at number 35, and I have no idea who they're going to take. <laughs> Over the past couple seasons, Brad Stevens has, you know, and Mike Zarin, uh, his his brain of, of sorts, uh, have, have been out there looking at guys from overseas. And, you know, p- players like... Uh, you know, Yam Madar and, and the guy that we got from France uh, last year, Begaron, two Begaron, years ago. Yeah. But yeah. And those guys have shown a lot in their early pro careers since the Celtics have drafted them. So do they go that route or do they get another versatile big? Uh, I know you follow the college game more than I do. Predictions or, or players that you'd like to see? Gary? Yeah, I think – Twofold. One, with the new CBA, you can't afford to sit on those guys anymore. Um, Unless you have an abundance of second round picks um, to kind of draft and stash. I think you need players who are going to be, you know, in your system up and down from Maine, like um, J.D. Davidson was. Uh, But 
I like some of the players that are rumored to fall to they have to fall to our projected 35th pick, right? So I like a player from UConn, right, who just won uh, the national title. I like Andre Jackson, 6'5", shooting guard. Um, I like Marcus Sasser, um, 6'2", point guard out of Houston, who was a senior. Um, Jackson was a junior. So players who have played for a little while. Um, There's also rumors of um, a kid named City Cisco. Um, sorry, City Soko, um, 6'6", shooting guard, small forward, 19 years old, um, who I can kind of see being that J.D. Davidson role. Um, I think we're going to need a J.D. Davidson this coming season. Um, just again, the 82-game season, we may not need him in the playoffs, hopefully, um, barring injuries, but um, those are the names. I like G.G. Jackson a power forward from South Carolina, 6'9", freshman. Um, So I think the Celtics can go various ways. I think we can go for guard depth. We can go for a big, um, like Tracy Jackson Davis, another senior from Indiana, 6'9", power forward. Um, Or for my liking, I want a wing. I want someone who we can, again, develop and be behind uh, JB and JT. Um, we only really have Hauser right now, so I'd like another, you know, swing, uh, swing wing um, per se. Yeah, I, I, I like a lot of those those options that you mentioned. That they sound good to me. I don't watch the college game that much, uh, but you bring up an excellent point with this second apron and with all of the the constraints the Celtics and other teams like them are going to have, it does behoove you to, even with your second round picks, bring in somebody that can play now. Yeah. The Celtics will be saying goodbye to numbers, of, you know, quite a few players from last year's team. Grant Williams will be gone. It looks like Brogdon and Gallinari will be gone. So that's essentially a three-for-one trade. Don't know what we'll get back from the Grant Williams right. situation. But we could be saying goodbye to Muscala and Blake Griffin as well. Yeah. So somebody's got to step up. And, and maybe we do need to get somebody that can contribute. Let's not forget that the MVP of the league, the real MVP of the league, <laughs> Nikola Jokic, was a second-round draft yeah. choice. Uh, Draymond Green, the heart and soul of the Golden State Warriors, was a second round draft pick. So maybe the Celtics at 35, that's not far from a first round pick. You get some of the same value without having to pay out a three or four year deal. The Celtics can take a flyer on a player, maybe not a an underclassman, but maybe somebody who's got a few years of either pro experience or top level college experience under their belt. I do trust Mike Zarin, Austin Ainge, and and certainly Brad Stevens to bring in a player that, that can complement this team. Um, Final thought. Oh, and you mentioned JD Davison. (laughs) Um, Have you heard, I don't know where I saw this, but I heard some players potentially have said that he has gotten taller since the Celtics drafted him. I haven't seen that. I've seen some workout videos. I know he's, you know, doing his best to get better. I'm excited for the summer league, which I know we'll talk on next week, but 
Um, I'm excited for him. I think he's an explosive player watching some of the main Celtic games. Um, so I, I think he'll definitely have an opportunity to um, get on the court. You know, with, with Malcolm Brogdon gone, it's like Pritchard moves up and, and Davison moves up a little bit. He will have an opportunity to make this team. I think it was Grant Williams. I don't remember exactly who, but said this guy has gotten a lot taller. I think it just might be that his hair has gotten taller. <laughs> But he is a guy with long arms. He, he plays pretty big, I think, for his actual height. And he was one of the top playmakers, if not the best, uh, in the G League last year. So a lot to be excited about for, for that former Mr. Basketball for the state of Alabama for two years and, and a guy that did good things in college. So we'll have to see. We want to thank you for joining us on our maiden voyage here for Lucky's Lounge. Guillermo, final thoughts as we wrap this podcast? Um, no, just excited to um, talk to you guys every week um, and hopefully during the season a couple times a week. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, rabid Celtic fans, Celtic pride here. Um, and Stay with us. Yeah, we, we bleed green. There's a lot coming down the pike. We'll have more special segments. We'll have guests. Uh, we will have music, and, and our production value will improve. But we wanted to get this out, partly because of Porzingis, but also before the draft. And uh, if you bleed green, uh, if your wife hates the Celtics or loves the Celtics, there's no in-between, and, and you just can't live without the Celtics like us, we hope you'll stay with us. And we hope to see you next week to talk about how the roster has shaken out and what the Celtics look like. It could be completely different. Nobody knows. We know you'll tune in. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week in Lucky's Lounge.